Welcome to If the Apocalypse Comes to Beat Me, also known as Chantelle, was part of my exotic phase. It's nice. It's a mushroom. It is? That's really embarrassing. This is a weekly-ish podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where we take a look at each episode according to its original air date 20 years ago. This week is Season 2, Episode 7, Lie to Me. We're going to be talking about characters. We're going to be talking about plot. We're going to be talking about cults, because it's appropriate. So spoilers abound for this episode, past episodes, future episodes, the comics, possibly other TV shows. So find your closest slash estranged friend and head down to the bunker. Let's do this. Join a cult. Worship vampires. Daniel, say hello. Hello. How are you? I'm great. Sasha, how are you? Hello. Hello. Say hello. I'm great. <laughs> why, why are you all so scared? Well, because I'm. I wanted to be a part of the cult. I need to be like oh, right, just right. nice and like chill, an open canvas, if you will, oh. so that you can indoctrinate me without having to like work overtime or anything like that. That's so. really I appreciate that. Yeah, I try. I try my best. Have uh, have you ever come close to joining a cult? I aspire to one day. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Daniel, have you ever come close to you mean joining the cult, a cult of American capitalism? Ooh. Yeah. yeah. I'm a part of a cult. <laughs> no, I I don't know. How how does one even become part of a cult? I mean, it it truly takes a right time, right place. Yeah, it takes a certain life trajectory that I have thankfully not been on. So and cults are kind of on a downswing lately. Not so, so many cults lately. No, hmm. you know, cults just never look good in the news. I think it's in, it's the newspaper. Cults, cults were like branding. big in the seventies and the nineties, so I'm like waiting. Yeah, <laughs> it's cyclical like that. Coming back. True, true. Yeah, totally. The 2020s are going to be really cult good decade. cults. What is a lot of good up? death cults I'm hoping for. So Yeah, I think the only cult I ever came close to being in was the Columbia House Records where they <laughs> you get the flyer in the mail, you put the little stamps on, then accidentally they charge you real money. And yeah. then sometimes you get lots of CDs without any money. Pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. And also if you could hear a dog gnawing at a bone, the dog <laughs> is is happy. And when the dog's happy, we're happy. <laughs> and this episode will prosper from this dog biting its bone. That is true. This week we're going to be talking about episode 7 of season 2, Lie to Me. Uh, It was written and directed by Joss Whedon. It's been a while since we've had one. I can't remember the last one. It might have been when she was bad. So before we get into this episode, let's set the mood and go back in time. Well, a a cultier time. So let's throw to the robots to find out what's happening this week of November 3rd in 1997. Thank you, Kelly, Stacia, Diego. This is a special news report on assignment. I'm with the shifty and quite uncomfortable Royston in Iraq reporting live R from the disarmament crisis. Royston, this crisis has transcended the sweltering summer and the smoldering autumn. What's the latest? Iraq has told me, well, told the world, that it will begin shooting down Lockheed U-2 surveillance planes that are being used the UNSCOM inspectors. We are, Karen, not UNSCOM inspectors last I checked but it is still unnerving. Royston, we know how this plays out. I'm not sure why you insist on reporting from 1997. This doesn't end well. Iraq will become a pariah. 500,000 kids will starve due to sanctions and then the US will invade in 2003. Perhaps the death of Anton LaVey, the American founder of the Church of Satan, this week in 1997 had something to do with things. You fucking wish. That's like saying that Pair Louise Woodward, found guilty this week of shaking eight-month-old Matthew Epen to death in Newton, Massachusetts, 
had something to do with the carnage to come in Iraq. That's like saying the release of Spice World by the Spice Girls this week in 1997, the first British group since the Beatles to have a number one album in the US and UK. The combined sales of this and their first album enough to conclude that one out of every two Brits own a Spice Girls album, is the harbinger for the atrocities and misery that we'd inflict on Iraq over the next 20 years. Shit, that one more than the other three. Hattie, move us beyond these sad tales. Culture 1997, please. If we pretend the Spice Girls don't exist, Maze wore his fluffy pants to Harlem World as the Deftones rocked around the fur. Hot water music are still forever and counting, it's actually quite a sad story. The hot boys are still getting it how you live. After listening to the Spice Girls, the fury of the Aquabats was unleashed. Yanni released her Nightbird. Judas Priest went for the jugulator. And fish slip stitch and pass, whatever the fuck that means. Thanks Patty, this has been a special report. Back to your Buffy podcast. Thanks, Robot Friends. I feel sufficiently 90s-fied. Let's uh, get into the episode first. Let's run through the plot. So, out of nowhere, here comes this dorky-eared kid that you might recognize from another WB show upcoming. I don't know if it'd come out by that fact. Roswell's own Jason Bear. He's here to fuck up Buffy's life, but she doesn't know that yet. Jason Bear shows up at Sunnydale High, and he's here to reminisce with Buffy and just have a generally normal, totally good time. Um, as the episode progresses, we find out that uh, he's in this weird club that worships vampires, and they have a bunker made for killing. Uh, he's dying, so he's like, ticket to immortality, vampires, they'll totally be down to bite me, and they definitely won't kill me, and everything will go to plan. Uh, it turns out Spike doesn't just want to do that out of the kindness of his undead heart, so... Ford, Billy Fordham Ford, uh, strikes up a deal with Spike saying, hey, you can eat these schmoes in my vampire cults, uh, but you gotta turn me. And also, hey, how about Buffy? You can have Buffy. I give you the Slayer, and uh, you make me immortal. Cool. So Buffy shows up. He See, Ford, Buffy thinks that, that she's got one over on Ford, but no, no, no. Ford got one over on her because Buffy does go into the bunker. The door is shut. Everybody's here to party. Spike comes in, and uh, somehow Buffy and everybody escape. Well, Buffy and a few of the partygoers escape, jumping, yeah, <laughs> mad ups out of the, the balcony, but uh, Spike gets trapped, and so does the rest of the vampires. And who's left to feast on? Nobody else other than Ford, but the, it turns out they do. They turned him in the end. Spike's a good dude. He did turn Ford, uh, but Buffy swiftly stabs him in the heart, turns him to dust, and uh, has a touching moment with Giles. So, oh, didn't even think about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. At the end of the episode, they're sitting in front of. Yeah, no, I remember him yeah. popping up. It just for me, it was like, dude's a zombie. I actually didn't um, realize that for a long time until the third or fourth time watching this episode that it is Ford that they're sitting in front of the grave of, uh, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I want to talk about later, but whatever, fucking now. Uh, that there's no discussion there's no nothing there's no like what if maybe we can find a way yeah he's my friend let's let's see if we can figure this out kills him yeah why would Just, there be a conversation i don't know i feel like something we would maybe even do in later seasons like fucking spike gets redemption like and but she left ford there as a human knowing that the vampires were going to turn or kill him yeah that's another note she left an innocent human to die she essentially manslaughtered him I via mean, a vampire <laughs> Which is pretty heavy. I mean, and then at that point, he's a vampire. What else is there to talk about? She's already made her decision. 
I no, I she made, yeah. the, right she made the right choice. I'm just surprised because I feel like in later seasons we we would have. I like, like that it was so casual that she didn't. Not only did she, yeah, she, not only did she stake him immediately when he rose yeah. again, but the more importantly, let him die. Like, yeah, she let him be murdered, which is very not heroy. Well, that's what he wanted, and I think, you know, he kind of set himself up to be diametrically opposed to the Slayer. Yeah, for sure. I want to be a vampire. We can't be friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, He's a a vampire. Fair point. I don't know. All right, so let's talk about our characters a little bit. Dan, what did you think about the episode? Well, first of all, did you like this episode? I, the episode was fine. I thought it had a lot of really okay moments, but... The, you know the Joss Whedon-ness obviously when you see that you're kind of like okay I'm expecting something here because um, the best episodes do tend to be those this is I, so far it's definitely the worst Joss Whedon written directed by a lot of the season continuity we've said it before on this podcast a couple episodes ago continuity doesn't really carry over and so Buffy does this really crazy thing with her this the oldest friend we've seen so far your friend's dying and all this kind of shit like what of that was even real? Like, did her family, did his family actually move down here? What What happened to the dad? What happened to all this stuff? Was it all just a big elaborate lie? Well, then he ran away from home to be down here? Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of unanswered questions and she doesn't really care. And we yeah. never really bring it up again. We never talk about it. The parents thing is interesting because, like, clearly Always he had a funeral because he's in a cemetery. Right. So somebody paid for that. Like, so I think that his family really was there, but that's awfully convenient. Like, this dude had to be steps and steps ahead uh, for that to all line up. Can we lay off the tough questions for a while? Sorry. I think the vampire call is fun, but the rest of the story is just kind of like a slog to get through. This episode is super overdramatic. Um, the dialogue is so, like, ugh, cringy at times. Just Ford as a character so over the top. Um, so I... I don't hate the episode. Um, the shot of Ford mouthing the words to that movie, uh, while incredibly cheesy, I really like the look of it. I thought it was cool the way they pan and it just like you can see the TV over his shoulder. If this was a different episode or different show or movie, it would be a, a really, I don't know, I like that a lot, just aesthetically. But um, otherwise, it's pretty, pretty cheesy. I feel like the episode tried to fit in a lot, which is why it's kind of, not my favorite because it had to go through this whole establishing establishing who Ford is as a character and Buffy's relationship with him and then them hanging out and her showing him Sunnydale and then him revealing that he knows that Buffy's a slayer and then him faking killing a vampire and then him finding Spike and then him luring Buffy. Like, it's a lot to go through. And if they had established him as a character and then done all of those pieces like one every episode and he was in the show for like six or seven episodes and then we finally had him lure buffy i think that would have been a lot more interesting absolutely and that's actually a pretty cool storyline we could have done he could have been a a secret villain not in the way that angel is where it's just like now he's bad but like well and then he had like six months right yeah because the moment he's introduced and you see all the stuff happening you know he's the bad guy Mm -hmm. but if you introduced him and he's just Buffy's friend who then finds out that she's the Slayer and you don't really think necessarily. Can we lay off the tough questions for a while? Sorry. He watches too many movies. That's I, what Ford's doing. He's just obsessed with that shit. I mean, obviously we get Buffy versus Dracula later, which is kind of a love letter to um, the, you know, the idea of Dracula. Here we go. Uh, but I think this was too. I think this is a, another way Joss Whedon's putting himself through a character. Like, 
I'm a person who is weak or has this thing that I, I need help with. And what if I was tough? And I'm so, I'm like so obsessive about the things I enjoy. Like this guy's super duper into vampires. Turns out vampires are fucking real. So like, I'm sure he has every word of that movie memorized because Bram Stoker's Dracula is like you, a thing. And, yeah. Do you think that he was obsessed with vampires before he got diagnosed and he was like part of this like lonely ones cult or do you think he gravitated to them because he knew vampires were real and it was convenient? I think the latter. I think yeah. that he got he a diagnosis. He does mock them, too. He's like, these, these are fools, all these yeah. people. So I think he got a, a diagnosis and was doing what anybody would, which is like, there's got to be a way. Let me figure it out. And just stumbled like, oh, shit, vampires. Vampires are real. Yeah. And just kind of went from there. So, so then we buy, I guess, that he would know that Buffy was the Slayer. It's a lot of info, but I guess he... He did know that. He wasn't told that, I suppose. So yeah, he, I it mean, seemed like he came specifically to Sunnydale to find her. Yeah, which is not so. That's and that's like that's really a large pill to swallow. Okay, okay, so this hasn't been established yet, but this is something that I wonder about. This episode is one. Yeah, you have to come all the way to Sunnydale to get Buffy, but you don't have to come all the way to Sunnydale for a vampire, which is really the end goal. Buffy is just like the means of his goal. True. He was in L.A. We know L.A. is overrun with vampires and all kinds of monsters. Why couldn't he just, like, wander down a dark alley? And then furthermore, they haven't established this yet, but we see Riley, who gets in deep with those women sucking his blood, mm-hmm. who were vampires. Like, That's clearly right. there's, like, an underground business for some sort of, like, weird prostitute kind of sex work, but vampire blood sucking. And if this guy was in any way like hip to the idea of the vampire world it seems like he could have just asked around and found one of them and that they would turn him for money because that's i don't know yeah because he clearly has to have access to some extra 97 internet that's got all this stuff on there because otherwise it's a that's a lot to piece together can we lay off the tough questions for a while sorry what I kind of hated the most was like how everyone found out about everything. I, I know we're going to get into Angel and Xander later on, but like Willow found that this guy Ford had as a teenager purchased a building in the fucking alleyway, you know, shipping yard mm-hmm. of Sunnydale. Like how would he do that? A, how, why would he not use a false name? B, where did he get the money to do this? C, there's so many questions. Like how the fuck did this thing happen why is there such a huge cult in sunnydale that i can buy that a little bit but what did they do after all those people walked out (laughs) did they give up on vampires you would hope so but like where were they before do they just hang out at the bronze and like i don't know well we know chantrell at least ends up in folkland but i don't remember the show ever really dealing with like yeah vampires wanting to be a part of the world because i guess all the vampires don't really want to it's really spike and angel are the only ones that have a soul and don't want to just kill you yep i mean that we have knowledge of the vampires are coming to kill you they are not going to save you they're not going to make you another you know turn you into a god you will die you will just be eaten and that's the end of the story you're just Um, a meat puppet for a demon exactly and they don't want to believe that because they want to believe that vampires are on the next level of of humankind so that uh that scene where buffy's having the big dramatic talk with ford about like this is you're all idiots like you don't know what you're doing the music the score is so perfect i really wish that ford wasn't so cheesy like the nest of tumors liquefying my brain like the just overwrought grossness yeah uh but that that music is perfect and buffy making that point and, and then even like looking down on the people it it has like 
the bones of such a good, cool thing that we just like none of it gets to land. I will say the one thing that I think really saves the episode is Sarah Michelle Gellar. Uh, she is the thing that holds all of this together. I feel like everything she was doing with Ford, who is just not as good of an actor, she was doing the work that needed to be done to sell everything. And I feel every interaction with her from the highs to the lows to even the very end where we, I think we praise uh, Prophecy Girl, rightly so, for having those really, really dark and human moments, especially between Giles and her. At the very end, I love it when she's like, lie to me. Mm. Like just saying that, goosebumps, even thinking about it. You mean life? Yeah. Does it get easy? What do you want me to say? Lie to me. I guess I didn't realize until rewatching it for this like sixth, seventh time that she legit lets him die. You know, we already talked about it, but it's that's a huge fucking deal. And I don't think we would do this later. But then also there's parts in the later seasons too where Buffy does become more and more withdrawn. And that's a huge driving part of the show because I am alone. That's what she figures out. It's She's the one who's different because she has friends. and then But she is alone in the end. She's the one who's the one well, on the Well, I think you were trying to make the point too where it's like, it's almost like a, he wanted to die. And mm-hmm. maybe that was sort of a little bit of a grace note for, for Buffy where it's like, I'm not going to save you. I'll, I'll let this happen. It seemed kind of like to Buffy, like you made your choice. I'm taking care of people that didn't know what they were doing, but you knew. Yeah. So and she gave have him what you want. multiple choices but, to well, change. It's, it's that thing where it's like, you want to be a vampire? Fine. Spike can turn you into a vampire, but I have to slay vampires. I'll so if this you. ends with you dying either way. Yeah. You get what you want, but it's still not the thing that you think it is. I don't know. And also, on the flip side of that, we don't kill humans, but what do you do if you save Ford? The problem just repeats itself. Or yeah. until he dies, I guess. <laughs> she made the months. absolute right choice. I'm just, like, proud of her, <laughs> I guess, like, for making that hard choice in an instant. Yeah. Like, Giles wasn't there to help her solve it. Her friends weren't even in this episode. This is a low-friendship episode um, because think, they're kind of disparate. Well, it's also interesting because... Ford was knocked out, so he couldn't run up the steps. Like, I don't know if he had not been unconscious and he tried to run up the steps that Buffy would have stopped him. I don't think she would have been like, no, you're here. Mm. But she shut the door when everyone left, and it's like, can you run into a nest of vampires and pick up right, someone yeah. who's unconscious and carry them back in a way that she would also be okay? Like, It becomes a practical standpoint. Plus, you know the door doesn't reopen once you're on the other side. Right, but I also think she read the room, which is that even if he were to wake up right as she was about to go, like had Drusilla, you know, I don't think think he would have gone. I think he would have stayed, essentially. Speaking of Drusilla, um, we find out a little bit more about her in this episode in uh, Watcher's Diary that, again, manages to not mention the monster Angel. How do we... I just... the, the, The bare amount we know about Angel is appalling considering how we keep running into tangential well, again, entries about I, angel 100%. but i don't understand it isn't clear to me that giles doesn't know buffy sees drusilla but just because she's seen drusilla doesn't mean she can go to giles and say i saw a pretty girl talking to angel who is that and the giles would be like oh drusilla of course it is no buffy sees the picture and she goes who is that and he was like oh 
paramour of spikes and that's really all the information you need for the episode and i don't even know if buffy says i saw her chilling with angel or anything like it doesn't mean anything to giles when she asks that so why would he give her additional information later in the season we have angel info giles is reading it off there's a scene i distinctly remember because the line's funny where he's like well apparently there was a time with angelus and a puppy she's like skip it he's like but don't you want to i don't have a puppy skip it and it's like yeah there's Entries and entries about Angelus, the monster Angelus. I think it would all be changed if he knew all along. Well, I did have a thought because Jenny Calendar is in this episode. Uh, maybe she's intentionally hiding information from them. Jenny? She, she would have the opportunity to because she's in the library. So that could be an but explanation. how could she intentionally hide it? He keeps the Watcher's Diaries in his office and I think he would know if a bunch of them went missing. I don't know. She just like... <laughs> Willis. happens oh, to walk in when Giles is looking at like oh turn it into the angel page and she's just like oh hey look over here hey tell you, I'm talking about a date monster what's up what's up what's up I don't know I don't know I think that's maybe a little it's more of an explanation than much. what we have which is none when Spike is introduced Giles says something like Spike's known by his nickname because he used to drive railroad spikes into people's heads or Ruin whatever the it is bloody. but does he say the thing he's killed two slayers like is that even information buffy knows at this point i feel like this isn't revealed until later but again it's like if spike is your big nemesis not angel why aren't you doing all this research and talking about it about spike because in the end it doesn't really matter it doesn't really matter if angel used to kill puppies because guess what He's, not and he's a good puppies. guy, so maybe and I'm not looking into it. When do they go it. into that? When do we get all that information? When he turns back into Angelus, and Buffy needs to know how do I protect the people around me? And because Angel's been he's nothing fucked up stuff. Angel's been nothing but clutch. I mean, saving Giles' life. Yeah, those would be reasons for him to maybe be like, I don't really need to know everything about it. Yeah, Angelus. Well, can... all this skirting around Angel stuff, just like Jenny Calendar, actor of the century, give her all the Oscars. Because she never lets on for a second that she knows 100% what's going on the entire time. I, everything you're saying about Jenny Calendar, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm so excited. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell me. But you're saying that she knows everything. You know that she dies, right? I know that she dies. No. You don't remember why? (laughs) Can we lay off the tough questions for a while? Sorry. If you don't have any other... No, I mean, the only things I would just say is I don't know if anyone has any strong feelings about Diego, but... <laughs> Diego? Yeah, I felt... Uh, I like that so he ridiculous. was like, what name would a vampire call himself? <laughs> Not Marvin. Diego. Diego. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's right. <laughs> so I kind of like that because, like, in one episode, that's a nice little bit of levity. I kind of enjoyed that. He was kind of a ridiculous person. That was a good touch, I, I thought. But then, like, when he got mad at the end, when it's like, why didn't you tell me that, you know, uh, Xander Willow and Angel came into the... That was, like, the first time he saw him. Like, mm-hmm. Die- mm-hmm. all this blame of Diego. Not He's doing on his that. best, man. He's doing his best. The he cape is great. Get back uh, we, to why the we store, gotta, the magician shop, fun. and turn his cape back in. He's worried about the deposit. I, he should be worried about the deposits. I mean, do they just I live like in that club? I feel like committed doesn't rent their cape. They own their cape. <laughs> That's true. Do they all, like, live in that bunker? I like, think so. seems more like a weird vampire club. I know. Where you, like, but go then, to hang out. But then when it's 6 a.m., they're not vampires, so they gotta go home? Like, Dude. wandering the streets of Sunnydale? How do they have a house? How do they have a job? How do they have anything? I don't know. I guess they Diego work at the is... Double Meat Palace, and then afterwards they go. <laughs> the only fast food game in town. That's true. They probably like eat it like they're pretending like they're eating like a person. Like, well, that was the joke, right? It wasn't people, though. 
it was a okay, vegetable process. But okay, so all jokes aside, there are people that think they're vampires in real life. Yeah, there are, uh, in New Orleans especially, it's a big thing, um, people that pretend they're vampires. I remember watching a documentary of a guy who was, like, really pale, like, he would, like, paint his skin white, and he would drink his own blood, like, he'd cut himself, and, like, that was his thing, and he slept in a coffin in, like, a warehouse, and... Yep. So he's basically the guy that was in the coffin when we passed him in the episode. I love that. Yeah, the guy just just standing there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I'm not on board with that, that's nuts you can't live on it's it weird. try to live on it try to live on not eating food just your blood no no they we'll do it quickly in addition to yeah. i know of course they do because they're not vampires, they're not vampires. exactly vampires so. Not real. uh so what about xander hey are you busy tonight we're going to the bronze it's the local club and you have to come i'd love to but if you guys already had plans would i be imposing no only in the literal sense i mean that was really the crux right it was like how do they react to buffy having ford this new person around mm-hmm. yeah i think um oops it's interesting yeah. because in the last episode in halloween when at the beginning when xander is talking to larry at the soda machine and larry says like so you're friends with buffy and xander says i think of it less as friendship and more as a foundation for future bliss yes she pretty much sums up the idea of the friend zone i don't think of her as a friend i think of her as someone i get to have sex with eventually yep and that's how he's felt the whole time about her yeah exactly and so but i think that sums it up really well because when ford enters the scene in this episode xander reacts negatively because ford couldn't just be a friend because xander can't just be a friend to buffy and he says, doesn't she know any fat guys? Like, can't she just know people that are unattractive that could just be friends? Because... Well, he'll um, get there. He'll, he'll get that. The widening. The widening. It's <laughs> coming. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that's kind of the main, like, thrust of the episode for Xander and even Angel. Is they're both jealous of this new person who, as far as we know, is just friends with Buffy. Like, even though Buffy says she had a crush on him in fifth grade, it doesn't seem like she still has a crush on him. She's just, like, happy to see, like, a familiar face. But, right off the bat, how chummy are you with your fifth grade friend? They are just, like, in class hands. I know. And, like, he started off by saying something about just an abomination of a sentence. I'd suggest a box of Oreos dunked in apple juice, but maybe she's over that phase. The fuck is wrong with Buffy? The fuck is wrong? It sounds absolutely That horrible. sounds terrible. And right off the bat, I'd be like, I don't trust you. And I would just disown. Xander should just walk away from this scenario. I'd just be like, I thought this is what them. I wanted. Uh, yeah, she's a monster. Oreos and fucking apple juice. I'm done. That reminds me, uh, this is the only person from Buffy's past that we ever see. Um, except... The only other time we get is in conversations with dead people. We're meant to believe that there was a guy who was in one of her like psych classes or something. Um, but that's not really from her past. It's since we've known her. So right. this is the, the only time other than Hank, which doesn't count because that's her dad. True. Uh, and we get the flashback of her hanging out with her cousin in the awful episode of Coming Killed by Death. But, uh, but regardless of what Buffy's feelings were towards Ford, whether they were just friendly or more than friendly... Angel and Xander have no right to dictate who she hangs out with or to, like, act weird about her hanging out with him, but they do. Meanwhile, on the flip side, we've got Buffy, who feels insecure about Angel because she doesn't think she's pretty enough or can be enough for Angel because she's always showing up with leaves in her hair. (laughs) Or garbage. Who consistently finds Angel hanging out with Cordelia, who's clearly trying to seduce Angel, and Buffy leaves it alone. Well, Angel, we could still play. 
See, you made him do that thing where he's gone. You know everything about demonology, but I know everything about dating. That's right. Thanks, Cordelia the Date Slayer. These two episodes also started the same Halloween, last episode in this one, where it's Buffy walking in on Angel with another woman and basically leaving. We got a little bit more of Angel. We really haven't seen him go this deep with the jealousy like i need to know everything oh he said the the words do i get jealous yeah yeah oh one of the grossest lines ever but we do get a lot of drusilla in this episode whom i love and one of my favorite little scenes ever is the i'll give you a seed if you sing the bird's dead drew you left it in a cage and you didn't feed it and now it's all dead just like the last one would you like another bird one that isn't dead Also one of those characters like Willow that can know things without having to explain how they know things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like in the last episode in Halloween, Drusilla's like, Buffy's going to be not Weak. expecting us. Like, right. let's do it. And that's why Spike even leaves because he's like, we don't do anything on Halloween. And she was like, uh-uh-uh. Yeah. Let's do it. And in this episode, uh, Angel does something really gross. Not the fact that he's lusting after a fucking 16-year-old and he's a million years old isn't gross in and of itself, but he uh, forces Buffy to say I love you out loud for the first time. And, like, this is you guys saying I love you to each other, which he doesn't even say back. He just says, do you you love love me? me? I love you, but I don't think I trust you. What the fuck? Those two are hand in hand. Sorry. Uh, Fuck them. Yeah. We're one episode removed on them, like, making out like they're together, and now it's like, ah, Like, that's the shitty thing abusive... Uh, partners say like if you love me you would do this like do you love me now let me let me tell you this horrible fucking thing this is one of the if not the first uh times we we really hear a story of how uh, there's a walking well, living example yeah it's, i love the story oh, i thought great. it was gonna be a lot more benign than it was no. but holy She's shit a that was horrible a up story. horrible person and drusilla is a fuck walking example of the uh animal that that angel is yeah and it's it's not just in his past. He's doing shitty things now. Yeah. He's being a petty, jealous person in a relationship that he shouldn't be in in the first place and forcing Buffy into weird spots and just like, it's going to continue and it's going to get worse in a very physical, real way soon. And, and now even just on a relationship level, it's gross. I guess I need help. Help? You mean like on homework? No, because you're old and you already know stuff. I want you to track someone down on the net. Oh, great. I'm so the net girl. All I can think about this episode is, of him is just in this in the Willow's bedroom saying the jealous line and just like, I couldn't stop looking at how pink his lips were. I was like, I, that lipstick is just like, it's yeah, too much. Yeah, they were pink. They were The pink. most pink. <laughs> they made him extra white and extra pink in the lips. Yeah, it just really gets weird when Angel comes around the show. Yeah. It's just a very different experience. And to have this Angel is very different than who we hang out with for five seasons on that show. True. Very different person. And especially with the weird camera shot of her, like, looking up at the camera. Like, I don't oh, know if you... It was a weird... Sh- really everything. upset me because that chair was patterned in a strange way that I thought we were seeing the floor behind her somehow. So it made me, like, dizzy for a second. It was really weird. Oh, wow. Because it was like... Did you notice? It was like a, a chair with fabric over it. And it pans to Buffy uh, from Angel's perspective. And you get that... All you see is her head right. and then the pattern of that chair. And it's such a, a, a really quick change from, we, you know, we get the kitchen... Yeah. Or the background, like, wood and stuff or walls or whatever. And it, to this weird pattern. I just, like, thought she was laying on the floor first. I don't know. It was just, like, my head okay, really hurt. you thing. <laughs> <laughs> Knew she was sitting on a chair. I thought it, it didn't really end up being that good of a shot. No. I didn't I, like it. No. 
But I get it. You try to do different things. Well, I that, guess. that scene actually ends with a shot from outside the window, which it was did. also really strange. Very strange. And then the weird. It, I was going to mention that. I'm glad you brought that up because like it slowly fades to black mm-hmm. too, which I found that odd. Yeah, uh, Station Very brought different. up like maybe we're supposed to think that somebody's watching, but I don't know that that's true. But it could be. I mean, otherwise, why are we doing that? Weird I thought shot? Ford was I going mean, to show when up. You see a shot from something like that. I always think it's probably Spike watching. Hmm. Which it could be. I mean, because we see him later doing that. Oh, he definitely does that. In if I were to guess, I would guess that Joss, it, because a lot of his episodes do have those, like a, this weird idea. I think that he was. Just I doubt. Around. Yeah, he's just playing around. He's like trying to be. Do something already. Yeah, do, do something, something cool. I mean, I think if you wanted to, you could say some like bullshit. Uh-huh. She feels more distant from him now. That's why we're pulling out so far. Is that? Oh God, yeah. We're not in like a warm, cozy house. We're like in the dark night. I don't know. I just kind of liked it. I was like, okay, this this is a shot, for better or worse, that you just don't see on Buffy. A lot of the stuff that happened on this episode, direction wise, just hasn't been on the show, at least this season at yeah. all. So that was fun for what it is. Angel is in your bedroom. Ours is a forbidden love. Well, let's head on over to the Sunset Club. Was it the Sundown Club? Sunset Club? Are you making a joke? I don't know what that. That's the club that Ford, the, the club that he registered with the city of Sunnydale and owns as a 16 year old child. Right. <gasps> There's a spider. Can you kill it? It's like repelling down. My God, what a feeling. The power of these creatures suffuses my being. Mm. I can feel the changes begin. My organs are shifting, merging, making ready for the ascension. Plus, these babies are high in fiber. And what's the fun in becoming an immortal demon if you're not regular? Am I right? We don't knock during dark rituals? Cults. Uh, the three that I had time to look up, which is the ones that everyone knows. So be prepared for some regurgitated information. Branch Davidians. David Koresh. Who? Um, you don't I've know never who they are. Oh, no. Who? Well, it's not his real name. It's Vernon something or other. But David Koresh, uh, they set up in Waco, Texas. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, now <laughs> I understand. Uh, Koresh was kicked out of the Seventh Day Adventist because he was too radical. So he played the guitar and uh, claimed he was a messiah, and that all women—not one or two, but all—were his spiritual wives, and believed that <gasps> the world was soon to end. At their compound in Waco, they uh, amassed an armory. While Koresh would, you know, rape underage girls and generally just, like, fuck other people's wives and do whatever he wanted to because he's a horrible fucking person. The branch Davidians generally made, like, a terrible name for themselves just doing the horrible things they were doing, most, mostly Koresh. So the city of Waco got kind of pissed. And in February, uh, February 28th, 1993, ATF agents raided their compound in Waco. Four ATF agents were killed, and so were six of the branch Davidians. It's such a weird, clunky name to say. It That's is. why I keep forgetting. Because he named it after So I don't right? know it. It's just, for me, it's Waco. Just right, right. Waco. Uh, and six of the cultists were killed. Uh, the cultists held out, like, dug in in their compound and stayed there for 51 days Damn. against the ATF. And on April, oh, the FBI came in. It was a whole thing. On April 19th, 1993, uh, the FBI, the, like, the joint concerted, I think it might even been paramilitary because they had tanks. Yeah. Uh, rolled in, shot tear gas canisters into the compound, and suddenly the place erupted in flame um there's kind of words around saying that the somehow the military fucked it up and they're the ones that set the fire because 
how many people died? 76 people died, including Koresh, in that fire. But it was later found out that there was accelerant used and the three fires that lit inside the compound um, happened at the exact same time. So there's no way that it was an accidental sparking of anything. Plus, tear gas wouldn't cause that kind of damage. But yeah, 76 people, including 20 children. The Manson family, everybody's favorite psycho. San Francisco, 1967, non-religious cult, which is strange. They, like, some people think they were Satanists. Like, they, they might have had some extracurricular religious leanings uh, in one form or another, but they weren't, like, a religious cult like most of them are. Yeah. Um, so they named, they, they thought, at least Manson thought, and then therefore his followers did, that there was a race war upcoming by the name of Helter Skelter, named after the Beatles song, which... That's real shitty. Way to way to try to ruin that Beatles song. Great song, yeah. <laughs> way to go. <laughs> and they thought that in this race war, black people would be the the victors, but then look to white people for leadership, because of course, when you're a crazy fucking psychotic racist, you're like, oh, black people will win, but they won't be able to rule themselves, so they're gonna need white people eventually. So they uh, had a little compound where they were gonna wait out the race war, and then they would be the victors because they would be the whiteies left around. Just, ugh, God, gross. Uh, so in order to set off this race war, he coerced his followers into committing murders to try to flame, f- flame, frame black people as the the culprits and therefore, you know, setting off the Helter Skelter race war. Um, they managed to kill nine people, including Sharon Tate, uh, yeah. who is Roman Polanski's wife, and um, another woman that was pregnant. I can't remember her name. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, killed nine people and wrote in blood around the home that they murdered the people in. Things like Rise and Death to Pigs and Helter Skelter to try to insinuate that it was a group of, I guess, random black people that did this because Helter Skelter. Yeah. Heaven's Gate. UFO religious millenniary. My favorite group? cult. Well, Please go see earlier episodes of If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me for my long recitation about that's right daniel does a pbs <laughs> special spotlight on this one i guess i forgot but yeah i remember you did one but i was like let me just grab the like most famous cults real quick that's good maybe so, i remember some stuff we can do this uh group based in san diego founded in 1974 and led by marshall applewhite on march 26th of 1997 holy shit june on march 26th 1997 police discovered the bodies of 39 members who had participated in a mass suicide. Uh, they drank phenobarbital with, or ate phenobarbital with applesauce, which mm-hmm. that sounds better than apple juice and Oreos, honestly. Uh, and chased right. it down with yeah. vodka. They believed that that would help them reach a UFO that was following the Hale-Bopp comet. Uh, they thought the earth was going to be recycled and the only way to survive it was to leave immediately. They were against suicide, funnily enough, but they thought... Their definition of suicide was to turn against the next level when it is being offered, which I guess was part of their cult of like achieving some other level. So killing yourself was yeah. part of the way to get there. So that's fine. Heaven's Gate is fascinating because they never had a very big following, like 20, 36 people, mm-hmm. like compared to some of the other cults like Jonestown or Waco. They And they also didn't force their followers to stay. People sort of moved in and out of the group throughout the years as their philosophies changed, even just such things as, like, my mom got sick, I'm leaving. And they'll be like, okay, we'll help you go do your thing, do what you need to do. So, like, as far as cults go, they were really supportive. They didn't allow (laughs) children in the cult, which is also unique into themselves. So, um, because they didn't believe that children could reach this higher plane of consciousness because it took, like, a lot of um, work they were also very strict about 
what food they ate, what relationships they were allowed to have. Generally, they were supposed to be celibate. They also exercised a lot, and they lived on this compound together that they considered a spaceship because they were training for when they would go to space. And so they would talk about errands that they would have to run to go get food as being an out-of-craft errand. Oh, wait, and they would have an away team, right? Like yeah. in Star Trek, yeah. Yeah, and so they would have to get permission to leave. <laughs> and um, I just thought it was really fascinating. And so they had this whole idea that you would have to have like a pure body so that you could transcend to a higher consciousness. And that if you were doing this, you could live forever. But then the problem was one of the founders, they I think they called themselves T and O. Oh, Nels, her... Yeah, there was two. Yeah, the woman, she died in 84. Yeah, they died yeah. and so she got cancer, cancer, and she started dying, and then some of the followers were like... Well, shit, if she can die. Yeah. I thought you said we couldn't die, and then so they started spinning this whole, no, she's just descending, this is, it looks like death on this plane, which mm. is how it got to, we need to commit suicide, she dies, and he's kind of like spiraling out i don't know what to do and it's interesting because you can watch and listen to videos of the members they recorded themselves and why they were going to commit suicide and their reasoning behind it and how happy and joyous they were before it happened and unlike jonestown where everyone was forced into it these people willingly decided to eat that applesauce he let them go if they didn't want to and that's what's fascinating is that everybody died with their nikes and and wearing the shroud over their head mm-hmm. the shroud was replaced there by the final team who died a horrific death they suffocated themselves oh, the Jesus. final group because they didn't have the care like a person giving them the applesauce right watching over their deaths they die okay now we're gonna arrange them put them in their thing mm-hmm. so they went to a different spot basically to die a horrific end because they didn't have anybody looking after them but for the most part everybody was all just in, in plain lines and they all mm-hmm. knew what they were doing which does make it different than waco and georgetown or jonestown because mm-hmm. they <laughs> probably inherently understood that something like this could happen but then when the moment comes you're forced into it this was like we're just doing it it's happening. I believe, man. And also, what's interesting, and I brought up on the on the episode too, is that there were two members that were told to stay after, and they still managed the website. So the website is like an old GeoCities thing, but they answer emails. If you email them, holy shit, they will respond because that is their one duty uh, on this plane, if you will, is to answer wh- why. Why did everybody else go? And they will they will join them when they die a normal death. Wow. Which is fascinating, yeah. Well, speaking of Jonestown, because brought it up, I'm going to mention a little bit about so that. Good. And you guys You said in, three. This is four. I know, yeah. because it's I amazing. feel like this is, the, this is the biggest one. This is the biggest one. There's yeah. a yeah. lot of when people. When people say yeah. cult, that's the first one you yeah, think totally. of. The People's Temple, best known for the events of November 18th, 1978 in Guyana, when 918 people died in a mass murder-suicide at its remote settlement informally called Jonestown, as well as the murders of U.S. Congressman Leo Ryan and members of his visiting delegation in nearby Port, Port Gatuma. The mass suicide killings at Jonestown resulted in the greatest single loss of American civilian life in a deliberate act prior to September 11th. So a religious movement founded in 1955 by Jim, Jim Jones in, in Indianapolis, Indiana. Yeah. Used the People's Temple to spread a message that combined elements of Christianity with socialist politics with an emphasis on racial equality. Right. So, Stacia, since you're like, this is your wheelhouse, tell me a little bit more I about the I didn't even realize how much I knew about cults until today. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a special interest of mine. <laughs> this is secretly a cult as well. So we are here all the time recording Buffy. I mean, our so. shit is called If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me. Oh, so. Jesus uh-uh. Christ. Yeah, Jonestown is also really fascinating because Jim Jones was, like, a very great orator. He was, like, a powerful speaker, and 
the congregation that he led in Indianapolis was overwhelmingly poor people and people of color, not necessarily because he was preying on them because they were weaker, but he had this very radical idea of equality and like he didn't discriminate against people and he wanted to take care of people. And so it's, which is really unique. Interesting that you would have someone uh who would start in that place and would move to such atrocity opposite (laughs) position. But throughout his time he became more and more paranoid and by the time they'd made jonestown in guyana um he would have these sermons that he would keep people up all night and he would just lecture at them about his paranoia and he would punish people for moving or talking or wanting to leave and um it became a really toxic atmosphere but i just think it's really interesting that he came from this place where it seemed like he truly wanted to help people to i guess twisting this idea of helping people as that being the only way whereas other cult leaders like manson is not so no warm and fuzzy beginnings no, black people are going to kill everybody we want to be the only one white people left exactly yeah, it's different <laughs> but Jim Jones, he started out that way but then like every person that's able to do this they're megalomaniacs and he it's a and very he, true like cult leader thing uh-huh. where they start from goodish intentions and they just spiral out into paranoia and like they have this god complex absolutely and for him he thought i mean that's at the end of the day that's pretty much what all of these men are trying to do is create a world where they can just fuck everything that stands Mm -hmm. and for it to be okay and his wife who was with him for a a long time at that point it was 20 years he was that classic she got sick all that kind of stuff but he turned that feeding a desire into religion into Mm -hmm. i need to spread this and i need to spread everything so he would take the youngest and most vulnerable people and take her under the wing and then he yeah that at the end turned into i would just i can have sex with whoever i want all their money went to them and all their belongings went away they just gave it all away yeah if you're part of the cult you often sold your house your car so there's no way Exactly. You would go there and have nothing and then work. They grew their own food and made meals. Uh-huh. And they lived in like these barrack type structures with um, bunk beds that they slept in. It's terrible. Yeah. So cults, there you have it. Don't join a vampire one, but really don't join any of them. Well, the, don't. The thing that's interesting is unless you want to say that Ford was their cult leader, they didn't really have one. Like, Diego seemed to be, like, a coordinator or, like, a logistics point person. I love bringing it back to the show. But they did not have (laughs) some guy. They did not have a vampire who was their cult leader. They didn't have someone claiming to be a vampire as their cult leader. They just sort of hung out. It was like a club. They all watched too many movies. (laughs) I love... At the end of this all, let's give Diego the credit he fucking deserves for putting this all together. Buffy's first boyfriend returns. This is a wrong guy. But his desires have an evil twist. You make me a vampire, and I'll give you the Slayer. I love it. An all-new Buffy the Vampire Slayer, next. So Diego's the best character. I hope he comes back. He does not. <laughs> a couple of firsts in this episode, we have Vampire Worship. First and last time, I, I think. That's too bad. That's too bad. Um, vampirism as a means to circumvent terminal illness, which we do revisit in uh, an Angel episode with Darla. We find out that's kind of why she was turned, to save her from a syphilis death. Is that why she was turned? No, it just worked out that way. Yeah. <laughs> like, the master was going to fucking she turn She was her dying. Anyway. 
and the master saved her. Yeah. And to bring I think back- he was like, I can tell that you're evil already as a human, <laughs> yeah. so let's do this. He got this great, like, weird, not okay vibe. <laughs> the down. other thing we saw, which we mentioned, was Angel. We find out he's a really, really bad fucking person. What did we learn from this episode? Anybody learn anything? Any morals gained? So I don't think I learned shit. Ooh, um... I learned that birds die when you don't feed them. Good to know. Drusilla finds that out the hard way apparently over and over. And I learned that you shouldn't trust people from your past. Mm. Oh, true. Well, yeah. That is hard. I learned that there's no such thing as a good cult. And that a shimmery cape only reads as magician. There's no... What are you talking about? That was a good cult. No one died. And they all supported each other. <laughs> they were friends in the end. No one died. really really want a cult. <laughs> <laughs> Look, shopping around. I mean, I think that a lot of aspects of a cult are fun until the end, death, and weird sex stuff. <laughs> you know, cults give communes a bad rap, and communes are fine. It's, it's I don't want to. I want no love. I want. Can we just grow food together? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> can we lay off the tough questions for a while? Sorry. Vampire worshiping cult of Buffy aside, no such thing as a good cult. No, there's not. Yeah, and you and you really can't wear. A shimmery cape and not look like a magician. That's just, I'm sorry, Diego. I'm sorry, Diego's the greatest, and he looked great. But the real thing I learned was that even if it never gets easier, you still have to keep going. That's what Buffy learned at the very end of the episode. Is that what she learned? Yeah. 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 Didn't she learn that the truth is terrible and. I think that's more of a lie to me. Tell me the the harsh truths that I know now because yeah, I've learned so much shit like if you live long enough you'll find out the truth sucks and then he tells her the story and she's like I wish I didn't know that right and then, and then when at the end me. with Giles he was like everyone's always happy forever liar yeah just let Keep everyone trudging, just even die. if your brain is liquefying <laughs> just put one foot in front of to the grave <laughs> god damn it trying to take away something positive yeah I'm gonna let you have it it didn't it's sound not, positive it's not wrong it's not wrong, but she moves on in such a cavalier way that I feel like on another show this could be a this would be a terrible mark on her for just moving on this fast. Buffy does not have those rules; those consequences do not apply to Buffy Summers. True. She's fine. Different shows, yes. I am the law. Yes, I'm only one percent learned anything. Apparently, I learned the wrong things. <laughs> took away <laughs> took away the wrong things from this episode. Hey, I had so. a moral too. Oh, we already talked about it. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Thanks for not listening know, to me. Right? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> Can we lay off the tough questions for a while? Sorry. Don't trust Xander. Don't trust Kelly. Don't trust Kelly. To remember your... That's true. Or to listen to you. At I'm all. sorry. I swear to God. I We're taking you. this podcast over again. This is a Giles hour. Oh, You're Jesus. out of here. Good this is the Diego hour. Well, it's but, good that we're yeah. already yelling at each other. Let's yell oh, about the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, what do you have to say about oh, this episode? No, no, no. Giles and Jenny's relationship is already so fucked, and I love them. I love them to death. They're already lacking a spark. It's been two episodes. What will your mommy sing when they find your body? I'm not supposed to talk to people. That is what the... She just talked about you're murdering you, making you into a body and not a person anymore. Oh, my God. That was the most disconcerting beginning to any episode of the show so far. I know. What are you doing out on the playground after dark? Yeah. Kid. What? Uh, I'm scared. Jenny... She says, uh, or Giles says, I'll put myself in your hands. And Jenny says, sounds fun. There's that spark. There's that spark. <laughs> Jenny's always quick on her feet. She is so quick. Willow's striped geisha shirt. Oh, yeah. It's weird. It's a bunch of little faces. It seems racist. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Buffy extra has no bra on. 
in this episode. Yeah, she it's did. Weird. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I like the kid uh, when they go to the classroom. You hear, it just sort of seems like Louis the Fort Louis the Sixteenth was kind of a weak king. And then oh yeah, that's right. And then fucking Cordelia just jumps in. You know, and I wrote uh, Cordelia siding with the rich and powerful until she becomes a cosmic entity since 1997. But on brand. But she was gonna let them eat cake. <laughs> she was gonna let them have cake instead of having fucking bread so they can live. Okay. <laughs> Still <laughs> Too mad. soon. That was nothing. Yeah. Was not ready. Well, for that. the French Revolution would be something that Cordelia would just. Oh, I can't even. They would behead Cordelia. Oh, Sorry, yeah. Cordelia. She's You're gone. dead. Yeah. Willow's bunny slippers. Notice. There's a really good dusting, like their first really good CG dusting uh, that Buffy does in front of Jason Bear. Ford. Ford. Uh, By good, you mean quote unquote good. Well, good so far for the show. The best <laughs> the one the in the alley? Yeah. They tried. Xander said it gives me a happy, and the Buffy said I'm glad it gives somebody a happy. Yeah. Who says a happy? She's an unbeliever. She taints us. <laughs> I'm glad you wrote that oh, too. Good. Me so too. Good. Yep, Diego. She's an unbeliever. She taints us. <laughs> Oh my god, the lonely ones. I know. Terrible. <laughs> I love it. I love the way Chanterelle says it too. Be blessed by the lonely ones. Isn't it like also they who walk at night or something like that? Yeah. yeah. I love it. That's fine. I didn't mean enough noises. <laughs> that was going to be one of mine anyway. I'm sorry you have to edit this. No, it's fine. When uh, Angel just casually is by the bar in the bronze i'm still like this shocks me every time he's just holding a coffee cup he's just drinking coffee like a normal fucking person going to a high school bar to drink coffee as a 200 plus year old <laughs> it still blows my mind he's just casually there just what else you do when you're dating a 16 year old though he was there by himself. He was just there by himself. Waiting he wasn't. For Bubby. I know, but still, he's like, I'm just gonna casually get this fucking cappuccino. Also, there's some older folks there. Like, if you notice, I know, one of the scenes doesn't do that. It's definitely 45. Yeah, right behind I, one of them. that's terrible. Just saying. This is a That'll kids one day, bar. That, no, no, <laughs> I'm not gonna be at the bar, the bronze. No. You look like a big ninny. Willow's fucking scared, awkward laugh about the caffeine. Thing. <laughs> oh, coffee! It makes me jittery. I'm gonna do work in the computer lab on schoolwork that I have, so I cannot hang just now. Hi, Ford. Morning. Okay, well, fess up. What? Are you drinking coffee again? Because we've talked about this. <laughs> it makes me jumpy. I have to go away. Sure thing, bossy the cow. Angel scorn about the cult saying they don't understand us, how we dress, how we live. Oh, As yeah. that guy walks by wearing his exact so fucking good. outfit. Thank God. We almost let that slide through the whole episode. Thank you for mentioning that because that's one of the golden moments of this season too. The bunker is absolutely the bronze set. It's just goth night at the bronze. 100%. Nice. I mean, good for them. Saving a little bit of money. Oh, and this is a twofer. Also, that's three feet of solid concrete. Immediately runs into a brick wall. Did no one else notice that? Like, it's concrete. Just kidding. Bricks. Yeah, we, we've lined it with concrete, but the bricks are good aesthetic. So <laughs> we're going to do that. Brick. Yeah. That Sunnydale property value. This goes to the rankings a little bit, but the Giles level of Giles for me went nuts when he was looking for the note in his jacket. <laughs> was and there he his looked, little pocket? Yeah, but he like did like a quick every single pocket that he possibly had and was like, oh, hey, here it is right here. Loved it. That was my favorite. The last thing I wanted to ask uh, is what do you think about Ford's plan? Like, when did it start? Did he think on his feet? I, I was talking to Stacia about this while we were watching it. 
if he's his parents actually moved there, which I think they must have because again he's seventeen. I never thought I always thought he went alone. Well, see that's a big step right there because I don't. There's not enough clues either way because he has a funeral after, so they know. That's he, the only reason why. So Willow looks him up right, and I just can't remember hundred percent what she said because he definitely didn't but, joint actually go start. At Sunnydale High. Right. But did his parents actually come? But it blows my mind that for somebody that can get all the medical records on planet Earth. That she couldn't find more. That she couldn't find the fucking all the records. I mean, working and stuff like this, like, there, he would be somebody who would have an extensive medical record. How would she not be able to find it? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's something that's really weird to me. Even as close as like a, a couple well, days ago it, or something like that. It might just be she wasn't looking for medical records because no one thought he was sick. Yeah. True, but she but really, I, they, they do a big coverall of everything. Like, I know. I'll check the medicals. I'll check but everything. But I always assume that he came alone. Okay, but we're still caring about the spiders here. Let's not forget the spiders. I always assumed he came alone. His parents are still in L.A. The reason why none of this is a problem, at least until he dies, is because he told his parents, I'm going to go visit my friend Buffy. Remember Buffy? She's in Sunnydale. I'm going to stay with her for the week. Oh. He comes to Sunnydale, says he's registering at the high school, stays in this creepy club, and then... His his plan is, well, That's maybe the meets one. the cult because Marvin says like the lease is almost Sorry, up on this place. Diego. Like they've been there for a while, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. But that's so then fair. I assume his plan is I'll get turned into a vampire. I can go back home and hang out with my parents or whatever. It doesn't matter no, at that point. So I don't know as far as the funeral goes. Yeah. I don't even know if necessarily he had a funeral or if they just buried him because she was like, "We'll come back later to get the body." Like, mm-hmm. clearly she's doing something. She doesn't think that, like, I don't know, first responders are going to come or... But well, Joss did introduce that character in the first episode of the first season that he wanted to make you think would be part of the main cast and then killed him immediately. Uh, you Jesse. mean Jesse? The incredibly important, we still talk about it to this day, best friend of Xander and Willow, Jesse? Yeah. yeah. But the point being yeah, is, never forget Jesse. The idea this of far introducing in the a character to make them seem like they'd be maybe a major cast member, put them in the credits, they're benign, they're friends, and then actually they're not. I'm sure is, that was like a fun <laughs> moment for him. Moment. I killed a person I just introduced, and he should be a big deal. Yeah, yeah. That, that's absolutely it. It's the same thing with Darla turning around, like we're going in the thing, and then oh, she's yeah. the one that does it. Like it was all about those, you know, subverting the tropes right at the beginning, and now I think. It's not so much that. Because you're not thinking of it as a total story. You're like, we're going to ride this train until it stops. Well, that's why Greenwald was probably like, hey, they want to do an Angel spinoff. Fuck. <laughs> we super fucked all that shit up. Uh, or or we never thought everything. about it. We never thought about it. Let's sit down, Joss, and talk about Angel. Oh, I, I guess we don't know when he was born. We don't know anything about him. Let's just make it up now. No one three years remember. into it. Yeah. Can we lay off the tough questions for a while? Sorry. All right. Time to rank this sucker. Let's do it. Joyce didn't show up again. Two episodes in a row. What's up? This is the greatest two episode arc of the entire show. I guess I slipped and cut my neck on. The doctor said it looked like a barbecue fork. We don't have a barbecue fork. Joyce didn't show up. Shows she gets a five. Uh, we did use a computer. Willow on our lappy toppy researching Ford. So seven for you. She also that. answers the question posed in season one. Which is, what would her email be? Oh, great. I'm so the neck girl. Uh, the neck oh, girl. gotcha, gotcha. Okay, she so did, that would be. You got me I really know. excited that she said her email address, and I was like, I missed this. No, but she would have. That would be it. Great. I'm so the neck girl. At AOL.com. That's true. That would have been hers. Monster of the Week. Gave it a seven. Because 
while it was bungled and the 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 lines were like super overwrought as far as for being extra dramatic it's a cool concept and and the six episode minimum arc version of ford yeah. is really cool like we have have so many po- great potential moments in this episode giles level of giles only got an eight and i'll tell you why because he's not in this episode very much he doesn't really take off his glasses he agreed to go to a fucking monster truck show i get that he's into jenny but who isn't on. into jenny that's facts you don't uh, think that's an incredibly jealous thing to do, to let a woman push him into doing something he really doesn't want to do because he thinks she's cute? I mean, maybe. And she and called him a babe. She called him a babe. I suppose some girls might find him good looking. If they have eyes. All right, he's a honey, but... He also is wearing a corduroy tweed combo, which is why... I'm always going to argue for a higher level of Giles being Giles. Eight's high, guys. Eight is high. I don't know. <laughs> Eight is not ten, so... It's not ten. But you know what? Uh, relationship goodness or badness only got a seven because Buffy's pretty mad about the snooping. Uh, and there's... As you would be. As you would be. Right. And in that awkward, terrible, forceful, do you love me moment with Angel. That's not... Not good. Seven for relationships. And episode specific, nice cape, Diego. Four out of ten. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> However, we can bring down this score. That's to make right. It appropriate because I needed it to be thirty-eight, which puts it uh, second to last this season so far. So it's at well, I have a tie episode. So right now it's at number six, uh, right above some assembly required, which is the last for the season. God, we are at seven episodes. Yeah. Wow. Stasia, what did you what did you think? Where'd you put this one? I put it at ten. Ten overall. Ten overall. So that's kind of middling on the list, right? There's probably about yeah, 16 or so. Slightly below exactly halfway. It's sandwiched in between Inca Mommy Girl, which is above it, and Out of Mind, Out of Sight, which is below it. Okay. I, I, I feel like my old self would have put this really, really low. I don't think that's fair. Super long conversation about it uh, definitely makes me rethink that, but also it's not a good episode. It's not... I, I think I put Angel at like 60-something. Oh, shit. That's I know. That's a huge mistake. But... But it's a mistake that I have to think about a lot because I can't. <laughs> this is not as good. Angel was a great episode. That was like number three of all of the episodes in season one, and I just like loaded everything at the bottom. So I I'm going to give it eighty nine. I'm going to put it, you know, like thirty from the end. Well, that's middle ish. It's lower middle. It, yeah, I think we've we've justified it enough that it's like. It's got a lot of fun stuff to it, but it's also a pretty middling episode. I think it's going to be the lowest. Well, just oh, you're doing it at 137 out of 144. Yeah, because we're combining them. So. Right, right, right. Okay. Well, I think that wraps up. Lie to me. Um, we're real podcast. You can follow us at Beat Me Pod on Twitter, uh, at Beat Me Pod on Tumblr. We have prob- Do we have an email address? Probably have an email address. Yeah, Beat Me Pod at gmail.com. There you go. BeatMePod.wordpress.com which you can find links to our playlist that will be updated with every song that we mention during our news segment. Well, not us, the robots. We have people that do that for us, and those people are robots. And also any song that's mentioned or used in the episode. Uh, You can find that on Spotify or, again, on our website. The playlist is called Beat Me Funtime Playlist for Podcast Fans Season 2. Um, we're going to stick to that forever. Yes, we are. And each season's going to have a fun new picture. So oh, go nice. check them out. There you go. And Our website is, is uh, should be completely done at this point. Yay! Yay! Great. We Make sure you join us next week. We'll be talking about yeah, next the week? Dark Age. Oh. We're going to find out Ethan's about Giles. Back. What's up? Uh, thank you so much for listening. 
My name's Kelly. I forgot to say that. Yeah, your support means everything yes. to us. Yeah, please and to the robots. Talk to us. I'm actually on Tumblr a lot. So Everybody says, don't at me. We say, at me. At me. All the time. At me. All right. Daniel, say goodbye. At me. Stacia, say goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. At me. Can we lay off the tough questions for a while? Sorry.